Good morning, everyone. Wow, what a great day. I, I really love how the, uh, the, uh, the music department is really wanting more people to help. I'd, I'd actually volunteered, but uh, they told me I probably should speak with, uh, stick with preaching. I think they've heard me sing. So, uh, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really glad. You know, I was, I was over here this morning, and I forgot to eat breakfast because I had this long commute of like a minute and a half. Uh, which was, that's really great. I didn't know what to do. So I went over there and I, and I saw a bagel. I thought, man, I, I'm hungry. So I, I ate this bagel. And then I realized after I ate the bagel, why they keep the onion bagels away from the rest of the bagels. Because they just don't play well. So, so I called my wife and I said, Nance, you got to bring me some breath mints or something down here. She said, okay. So, so she comes down and hands me this little vial of green stuff. And she says, I said, what is this? She says, well, this is what the Disney princesses use. So I said, okay. So I, I, I'm trying to open it, and, and, but I can't read the instructions because uh, I don't have my glasses because my curiosity hadn't overcome my vanity yet. And so, so I finally go to my office, get my glasses, and I look at it. And what she has given me that I thought was a breath mint was really an antiseptic for bug bites pray for my wife. I think she's trying to kill me. <laughs> but, but now if I get a bug bite, I'm going to be good. So, so praise the Lord, I couldn't open that. So that was good. That was really good. La last week, we talked about listening to the right voice, the, the, the voice of, the, of our nature or the voice of the Lord. And then we said that, that everything good comes from from following after the Lord. And today I, I want to talk to you about seizing the moment. Carpe diem. Se seizing the moment. It, it, it's a term from the 6th century B.C. Um, Homer, the, the Greek uh, philosopher and poet, uh, he used it uh, for the first time that we know. He basically just said, while we're talking, envious time is fleeing. Seize the day. Put no trust in the future. Seize the moment. I want to talk to you about seizing the moment with God. But the reality is, to seize the moment, we must first pray. Because prayer is what keeps us on the right track with God. Here's what Homer's thought really was on, on seizing the day, a carpe diem. Basically, it's what he was really saying is you own your past. What is past is past. I know a lot of us... We try to think, oh, man, if I could go back and do that. You ever have that? Boy, if I could redo that. But the reality is in life, there's no mulligans. There's no do-overs. You only get this one shot, and that's it. And, and, and how many people have you known that, that have lived their life today predicated upon the past mistakes? That they have made mistakes in the past, and they allow the past to dictate their future. If we do that, we're wasting our time because what is done is done. There's no do-overs in life. You get this one shot. So Homer was just simply telling us, you own your past. What is in the past is in the past. Paul said, forgetting the past, I'm, I press toward the mark. There's somewhere in our life, if your past is dictating your present and your future, you need to realize that what is in the past is in the past. The hurts, the mistakes, the pain, the sorrow, the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, 
all of those things. Yes, I did grow up in the 70s. I, I, I watched ABC Wide World of Sports. And, and everybody under 30 said, what is he talking about? <laughs> but all of those things in the past are in the past. They're mistakes. Don't beat yourself up over them. The great thing about God is if you're following him, if you've made mistakes, go to him, be honest with him, have a broken heart, confess it to him. Because the Bible tells us in John, if you, are faith, if you confess your sins, if you confess your faults, if you confess those things, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. How many times have you ever gone to God in prayer and he says, hey, you remember that time you did that? God doesn't do that. That's us. So what's in the past is in the past. The future, on the other hand, is unpredictable. There's no guarantee that you'll even have another day. We, we plan and prepare like we, we do, but the reality is nobody is promised more life than what we have right now. No one can predict what's going to happen. I, mean, I remember when the economy collapsed, what was it, 2008? 2007, everybody was like, "Woo, let's go. 2008, man, this boom. And nobody saw it coming. Nobody said, look out. It, it's, it's one of those things that we are not guaranteed the future. The only, the only thing that we are truly guaranteed is right now. The only time we have is right now, in the immediate. So I would encourage you, don't let the past dictate your future. Today is the day of new beginnings. If there is something that's been holding you down, let it go and start afresh. You can act right now. You can change right now. You can relocate. But three weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, this today, on Sunday, I stood here and said, we put our house up for sale. Remember that? It's sold. We're out. Just that fast. I know I'm living among boxes of stuff. I had to go find all my clothes today. It was it was amazing. It was like, let's guess that box, you know. Um, but man, it moved so fast. It was incredible. But we we put it up and, it, and we acted and 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 you just don't realize how how things can happen so fast. But if we'd have never put it up, we'd have never sold it. So right now. You, we can change. If there's a habit that we want to change in our life, we can change it right now. If there's an attitude we want to change, we can change it right now. There is nothing stopping us but our own fear of possibly what's happened in the past or what may happen in the future. And I would say forget the past. You're not even guaranteed the future. Live the moment. If you want to, be, if you want to change your life, if you want to do something, then do it. Act on it now. You don't have to wait. Let me give you an example. Remember Howard Schultz? Howard Schultz in 1987 bought a, a small chain of, of coffee shops. He bought a small chain of coffee shops. And, and his goal, his goal was, was he was going to open one in Portland, Oregon the next year. That was his goal. I just want to open one more coffee shop in Portland, Oregon. And then I'll have 12 and then I'll be happy. Today, 31 years later, there are 27,339 Starbucks around the world that's a little more than 12 there's 14 million customers a day that go to starbucks he opens two stores every day every day two stores open 
And here's the amazing part about it. Howard Schultz almost passed up buying that little coffee chain because they wanted $4 million and he thought it was too much money. He almost passed it up because he thought, I don't want to spend $4 million on 11 stores. But then this is what his, in his, in his memoirs, in his book, this is what he said. He said, this is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of the opportunity, I would replay it in my mind in, and in my, for my whole life, wondering, what if? What if I would have bought it? Four million dollars. Five years after he opened it, a after he bought them, he went public, and in one day, his net worth grew to $273 million. Today, his worth is about $2.6 Off of a $4 million investment, because he seized the moment. He took advantage of it and seized the moment. Let me ask you, are there any opportunities in your life that you want to seize to take advantage of? A life change that you just, you've been putting off, you just want to, you want to change, but you haven't done it? Why don't, take advantage of it today. How about spiritual growth? Spiritual growth, you're, just, you're, you're wanting to, to grow spiritually, you want to get closer to the Lord, you're wanting to get closer to, to a, a closer walk with Him. You want to know the Creator of the heavens and the earth, but life is so busy and, and there's been so many things going on or perhaps past hurts have, have, have played a part in, in, in your reluctance. And I would encourage you today, take the opportunity of whatever it is don't let yesterday dictate today, and don't let the fear of the future play a role. Act. Seize the moment. Aren't you thankful that, that Edison didn't quit after one or two mistakes with the light bulb? You know, cause I, I, love, I love lights. I like being able to see. I, love, uh, I even love the air conditioning. In fact, I was talking to to Grace this morning, and, and I really, and I, um, I, I was sitting there, and I said, you know, I found out one good thing about the humidity in Florida. It makes the air conditioning feel so cold. So I'm thankful for the, for the humidity, just because it does make everything feel better. So, and here's the thing. This church, you and I, we have a great opportunity handed to us right in front of us but god has set the stage for us the spirit of the lord is moving among us and we have this great opportunity to seize the moment to take the day to to go from where we are to where we want to go we have these opportunities planted before us this is what colossians 4 5 says says be wise in the way you act toward others make the most of every opportunity Make the most of every opportunity that comes your way. Seize the moment. Look for them. Look for the opportunities. If, if you want to be kind to somebody, look for the opportunities to be kind. If, if you're wanting whatever it is, there are, there are opportunities that abound in our life every single day. Act on what is in front of you because there's no guarantee how long that will last. I think a lot of times that we 
we want to uh, we want our opportunities to come and stand at the door and just knock. But the reality is, a lot of times opportunities don't show up as opportunities in a nice little package with a pretty little bow knocking on the door. They're not the UPS. Most of our opportunities come to us as a crisis. Most of our opportunities come to us as a, a in the form of a problem. And seeing and seizing the opportunity is a sign of spiritual maturity that we have an opportunity in the middle of this struggle, in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a difficult situation, that there's an opportunity to grow. There's an opportunity to change. There's an opportunity to be more like Christ. James 2.17 says this. He says, in the same way, faith by itself is not, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. What James is saying is you have to seize the moment. You can't just say, I believe the Lord's going to help, but seize the moment, give, act on the opportunities that God puts in front of us. Because most of our opportunities come disguised as these impossible situations. Israel's land that God had given them wasn't empty. It wasn't vacated. It didn't have a for sale sign on it. It was full of people, but God had given it to them. David's Goliath had to be slain. We call David, oh, he killed Goliath, but he first had to slay him. Paul wanted to start a, a jail in Philippi, but in order to meet the jailer, he had to become a prisoner. See, all of these situations, it, these three times, of, of, you know, that, that there's just so many times in our lives that we, that we ask God to do something and then a situation arises and, and we look at the, the situation and we don't focus on prayer, we don't focus on God, and we don't focus on God's direction and we, and we look at the situation and say, oh, it's too big, it's too impossible. That's where prayer comes in with seizing the moment because prayer is the thing that turns us from a pessimist to an optimist. Prayer is the, is the vital, essential tool. It is the ability for us to look at a problem that is as giant as Mount Everest and begin to pray and watch God become greater in our minds and in our hearts. And as God becomes greater, our problems become smaller. There's a lot of times in our lives that these opportunities in our lives are there. And, and if we, if we sh uh, shrink away from prayer, we will never see what God is really wanting to do. Prayer is essential. But these moments, God sets these divine moments in our lives. And he gives us these opportunities so that we can seize it, that we can act, that we can be used by him. I don't know about you, but there's no greater feeling than, than, uh, than really feeling impressed of, of the Lord to, to say something or be kind or, or, or to talk to somebody and watch God take that situation and turn it around. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. And in the story that, that Sam read is around 465 B.C., uh, here we are, Esther, the, the children of Israel in captivity, and, and a guy named Haman is, is, has, has the king's ear, and he is trying to slay all the Israelites. He doesn't like the Jewish people. He's trying to kill them all, and he has this great plot and, and great scheme, and, and, the, and the king is going along with it. But he doesn't realize that his 
one of his brides, Esther, is Jewish. And Mordecai, his, her uncle that raised her, comes and talks to her and says, Esther, I don't care if you are living in the, in the palace. I don't care if you are living in the king's house. I don't care if you are married to the king. If, the, if God's children are attacked, if Israel, you will not be saved. But he said, said, said something that's really interesting. I want you to look at this for a moment. He said, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. I want you to think about that for a moment. God has a plan. God has always had a plan. God made promises to the, nation, to the children of Israel, to the Jewish people, that those promises will come to pass. It's the adversary that's always tried to destroy them, but God has always maintained and kept them. Whether they were doing well or not, God is going to fulfill his promise. God is going to fulfill his plan. His word never comes back void. If God says something, you can bank on it. It will happen. And this is what Mordecai is telling Esther. He says, you know what? God is going to deliver his people. There's, that, is, that is a sure thing. You can bet the farm on it. God is going to deliver his people. It doesn't have to come through you, but perhaps God is going to use you. There are many things in our lives that if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance, but, it, but you and your family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. I want you to think about that a moment. What is he really saying? He's saying, Esther... You're in God's house. You're in, you're in the king's house. This situation is happening. This situation didn't surprise God. He didn't look at it and say, wow, I didn't see Haman. Because God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knew what was going on. But Esther was there in the king's house at a place and a time that she could make a difference. That God could use her to turn the situation right side up. Perhaps you're in a situation that you don't know what, what to do or, or you don't know why you're in it. But could it be that God has you in that place for such a time as this? That, that you have opportunity to bless somebody else? You have an opportunity to minister to, on behalf of somebody else? That you are in that situation today because God is going to use you or give you an opportunity to be used to bless and to minister and to fulfill his will. I want you to think about that for a moment. What, what if Esther, you know, because she was really, she was really the, the queen because she won a beauty pageant. They said, go out and look for the prettiest girl that you can find. I'm going to marry her and happen to be Esther. She had to be a beautiful girl. But can you imagine being ripped from your family and friends and everything else? And, you're, and, I, and I'm just wondering if it wouldn't have been for her uncle encouraging her. I wonder where her head would have been. Do you think that she would have from her responsibility? Because what she was saying, what she's saying in the scripture, she says, and if I perish, I perish. What she was saying is if I go into the king unannounced, 
if he doesn't hold out the, his, his rod, then they'll execute me. I don't care if I'm the queen or not. She's saying, I am taking a chance. And if I perish, I perish, but I want everybody praying with me. And, and when, it, when, you think about, when you think about where she is and you think about what she is doing, I wonder what was going through her mind. And, and God had given her this opportunity, but I just wonder, I wonder if it wouldn't have been for Mordecai, would she have shrunk back? Would she have gone into survival mode? Because survival mode is a reactive response. You know, prayer is proactive and survival is, is reactive. Uh, it, reactive is something comes up, maybe Esther would have hid. Maybe David wouldn't have fought Goliath. Maybe the children of Israel would have been fearful and not gone into the promised land and had to wander around for 40 years. Oh, oh wait, they did. Um, what Esther was saying is, I'm, I'm praying, I want you to pray, and I'm going to take the opportunity I'm seizing the moment. Live or die, sink or swim, I'm going for it. I'm going for it all. God has a plan. God puts us in situations. And here's the thing. When she was talking about prayer, this is where I really want to go. When we pray, it puts us on the offense. When we begin to pray about the situation that we're in, because sometimes without prayer, we can't see the opportunity. We see a problem, but we don't see a solution. But when we devote ourselves to prayer, the situation, somehow the answer comes. It always comes through prayer because prayer is communication with God. God knows what he wants to do. God knows what he wants to do in your life right now. Do you know what he wants to do? That's where prayer comes in. You can't see the opportunities in your life without prayer because prayer increases our expectation for God to work. It doesn't change God's mind, but we get to see what God is really doing. Lack of prayer is the greatest shortcoming of Christianity that I know of. In my life and in most Christians' life, lack of prayer is the greatest shortcoming. We don't expect much from God because we don't ask much from God. But prayer helps us realize that all things are possible. When we're not praying, everything looks, looks doubtful and fearful and we become bitter and, and we criticize. But when we begin to pray, those low expectations that come from little prayer are, are diminished and prayer enlarges our expectations. When we begin to pray, amazing things happen. The situations you find yourself in are manageable. Those, those impossible situations that you think there's no hope, there's, there's hope that shines through. Why? Because you've got your eyes off the problem. You've got your eyes on God. And when we're walking with God, all things become possible. Prayer enlarges our expectations. In Mark chapter 5, we, we see a story of, of, a, of a leader named Jairus, and he was a leader of the synagogue, and he came to Jesus, and, and when he came to Jesus, he just fell down and began to worship, and he said, you need to help me. He said, my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is sick, and, and, and she needs you to pray with her. 
and, they, and Jesus said, all right, I'll go with you. And while they were on their way to, to Jairus' house, one of his servants met them and said, don't even bother the master any longer. Your daughter is dead. Now that is terrible news. And Jesus looked at him and he said something incredible. He said, don't fear, only believe. Is there an opportunity in your life that you think is dead? Am I speaking to somebody right now? Praise team, would you come back? Is there an opportunity in your life that you think is over? Can I encourage you? It's not over until God says it's over. Your, your dreams, those aspirations, those opportunities, those you, you can seize that time. You can, you, can, you can go to the Lord in prayer, but nothing is finished in your life until God says it's finished. He said, don't be afraid, just believe. So, so here's Jesus, and he goes in and Jairus' house, and they have the mourners. Now, back in that day, this is really pretty interesting. They had, they had people that were professional mourners. You would pay them, and they'd come to your house and cry and whine and, you know, when somebody died. Wasn't that amazing? So, so here's these professional mourners. They're there. They're crying. They're doing their job. And Jesus said, why are you crying? She's not dead. She just sleeps. And these professional mourners started mocking him. They doubted him. They didn't believe him. See, because doubt and faith don't, don't live in the same house. So Jesus kicked them out. Jesus kicked out all those that doubted. All of those that didn't believe, Jesus said, hey, out of the house. Can I encourage you? If there's a, if there's a moment in your life that you're wanting to seize, and perhaps you think it's impossible, or you think that moment has passed, kick out the doubt. Kick out the doubt in your life. Trust in Him. How do you kick out the doubt? Through prayer, through getting to the place that you're connecting with God in such a way that, that you realize that He is so great, He's so powerful that there's nothing that He cannot do. And you say, well, why do you focus on prayer? Because prayer is what increases our faith. It, it le unleashes our faith. It gives us hope. It gives us encouragement. It enlightens our mind. It enlightens our heart. It enlightens our spirit. It's prayer. It's connecting with God, that two-way street with God, that, that you get to that point where, God, I am on my knees. I am praying. I am seeking. I am trusting in you. And when you get to that place in prayer where, where you come into to, to that time of prayer and you're, and you're worried and you're upset and you have doubt and you have worries but when you begin to pray they begin to diminish because you realize that God is great and God loves you and that God cares for you and his spirit begins to minister to your spirit and you realize that that though I lost everything if I have him I have it all and when you begin to focus on prayer and you begin to lift God up and you praise him for who he is the creator of all things and you realize that this creator loves you enough that when you pray he listens and he acts and he moves prayer 
prayer removes the doubt. And when you get to that place where prayer, where that doubt is gone, Jesus went in, and I loved what he said to her. Jesus went in to this girl that had died, and he said, I say to you, little girl, rise up. And the scripture says she got up, walked around, and wanted something to eat. At 12 years old, that doesn't surprise me. What does that say to me? She was normal. That God had taken Jairus' dream that he thought was dead, this impossible situation, but Jairus seized the moment. He, he went and sought out Christ. If you have an, a situation in your life that you think is dead or dying, or that you feel hopeless, can I encourage you? Go to the Lord. Trust in Him. Give it to Him. Believe His Word. Trust in Him. Because when the Lord speaks, good things always happen. Would you stand with me, please?